The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. Amen. <clears throat> if you would, turn to 1 Samuel, verse 30. You know, we all need encouragement from time to time, don't we? Probably all of us at some time or another have faced some type of crisis when everything seems to fall apart. There's times of discouragement. There's things that go wrong, even when we're trying to do right. It seems like sometimes things go wrong, and uh, at, at such times, people, uh, people may say, well, that's, that's just what I get for trying to do right. You know, you may have heard that. You may have even said that, and there are times of uncertainty when we don't know how things are going to turn out, and there are times of stress when uh, the load seems uh, it's heavier than we can bear, and, and we don't know what to do, and, and the task is more than we can handle. There's also times of of fear when our very sense of security is shaken. And uh, in all of those kinds of situations, we need to be encouraged in the Lord. And uh, in the the midst of a time of great distress uh, that's taking place in the life of David, uh, in our our text here in verse 6, it says, But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. That, That sounds great, doesn't it? I mean, that, that word there, but what does it really mean that David strengthened himself or David encouraged himself in the Lord? What does that really mean? I want us to think about that, and, and wouldn't it be great if we had the ability to do that? If we could say, boy, in the midst of our struggles, uh, I strengthened myself in the Lord. And uh, let, let's, let's examine this passage this morning and see if we can kind of understand his secret, what David did, how he strengthened himself in the Lord. David has a company of 600 men with him. They're soldiers, and they're, they're all serving a, a military, or they're serving in the military of King Achish of Gath. And, and this is important for us to remember, Gath is an enemy of Israel. So, uh, so David is serving in that army, uh, an enemy of Israel. Now, during, during that time, remember Saul, I'm kind of just jumping in the middle of this story in 1 Samuel. Saul has, has sworn that he's going to kill David. So he's, he's an enemy of David, even though all David ever did was serve Saul and do, do right as far as Saul was concerned. David has now made, a, made an ally with, with Achish, this king of Gath, and he, he is going, and in, in the process of this military campaign, David and all 600 of his men have left, and they've left their wives and their children and all they had in Ziglag. And, and while they're gone, Ziglag is unprotected because all the men are gone there. And during that time, a, a raiding party, a raiding band of, of Amalekites, they come and, and uh, they've been a long-time persistent enemy of Israel, these Amalekites have. And, and they come down on the village, and this is the village of Ziglag where David and his 600 men were, but they've gone off on battle. And, and they come down and they take all the women, they take all the children, they take everything for slaves, they take them away, they loot the place, they take everything that has any value in it, and they burn the, the village. There's, there's nothing left. So we start there in verse 1, 1 Samuel chapter 30. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziglag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded to the south in Ziglag. They attacked Ziglag and they burned it, and they burned it with fire. And they had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great, but they didn't kill anyone, 
But they carried them away, and they went on their own way. Verse 3. So David and his men came to the city, and it was there, and they were there, and it was burned with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters had all been taken captivity. When David and his men uh, come home from their military campaign, they see that their, their town, their city is just a heap of smoking ruins. Everything's gone. All of their wives, all of their children... All of their cat, cattle, all of their uh, the things that they would have, all of their property, they're all gone. That's hard for us to imagine. It's hard for us to, to really comprehend about that. But I want you just to give that a moment thought. If you show up at your home place and everything's gone... Someone's come in, they've taken your possessions, and, and not only have they taken all of your possessions, but they burnt everything that was left. That's what David and his men had, had, had seen. They had seen everything that, that had fallen apart. And, and some people, they follow that adage, when in trouble and when in doubt, run in circles and scream and shout. That's, that's, sometimes that's all we know to do. And, and so, so it's interesting to note how David's men respond. Remember, he has 600 soldiers with him. All of their places are gone. All of their wives are gone. All of their children are gone. Everything. These 600 men and David, they're there. They're looking upon the heap of the city. And verse 4 said, Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and they wept. You know, there's a difference between crying and weeping. And they wept. And, and Scripture says they wept till they had no more power to weep. They cried their eyes out. They, they wept bitterly. They sat down and, and they wept until they had no more tears to shed. They, they cried during that time and, and others began to complain and they began to, to blame others and they blamed David. Look at verse 6. Now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people were so grieved, for every man was grieving for his sons and his daughters. It went, it went so far as to 600 men said, let's just stone David. It's David's fault. He carried us out into battle. He, he's a, he was our leader, and, and uh, let's just stone him. And, and during those times of crisis, isn't it always easy to blame someone? Isn't it always easy to, to look to someone else to look for a scapegoat. And, and you may say this morning, well, why does this have to do with encouraging self to God? What, what is, how does that tie with what you said we were going to talk about this morning? A lot of times when our life gets hairy, we're, we're tempted to do what David's troops did. When things get rough, we're tempted to take it out on someone else. That old saying, misery loves company. We, we're in the pit of despair. And instead of spending time with God, instead of asking what we do, we do the opposite thing. We, we kind of do the stupid thing. We, we want to hurt someone else. Hey, you, you, I'm hurting. I, I want you to hurt. I, I want to blame you. I want to I go and find a reason. And I, I've got to have someone I can blame for this. 
So what happens after the crisis? Once you go through that, once you have some time to reflect, once you have some time to kind of settle down and cool off because you were in pain, you have another problem, a fresh new problem. You've got to go back and and mend fences that you tore down during your uh, time of rage or during that time that you were angry with others, that you were blaming your others. So so I want to encourage you to do yourself a favor. When, when those disasters hit... Kind of be aware of yourself, kind of behave yourself, kind of, kind of set back and, and begin to think of what, what's really happened here. And, and that's what David had done. David had to be going through uh, over in his mind, not knowing what's taken place in his own family. He, he lost his own wife. He, he lost his own family. He didn't know if they were alive. He didn't know if they were dead. And he must have asked himself the question like, why? God, what have I done wrong? If we go all the way back to the time that, that David was just a boy and he went and, and faced Goliath, you know, Saul was the king then. And, and throughout David's life, he had been loyal to Saul. So it would have been easy to say, you know, God, why, why is Saul trying to kill me? I, I've never done anything to Saul. And, and why is he so jealous of me? And God, you said I was your anointed one. You said I was your chosen one. And, and if that's true, why am I hiding in the wilderness? I mean, we can study this book of Samuel and David's literally living in a cave with his soldiers. And, and he, could have, he could have asked all this. He, he could have asked what I probably would have asked. Is this my reward, God? Is this, is this what I get for, for, doing what, for doing what I thought was right and for doing what I think you're leading me to do? Is this my reward? But is it not possible that God intended this crisis to come up in David's life to force him to seek some answers from deep within. That's what I want to think about this morning. David had a choice. As he said, as he looked at the city in ruins, as he didn't know whether his family was alive or dead, as he didn't know what all the situation is, David kind of came to a, a crossroads in his life. He had a, a decision to make. He, he could have looked and saw nothing but disaster. I think we do that sometimes. I think when troubles come, we lose focus on everything but the disaster. And we begin to focus on the disaster. But, but David chose not to do that. David looked deep within himself. And as he looked deep within himself, he found God there. And as he found God there, he found strength and he found direction to carry on. That's verse 6. That's what we looked at. This is, that's kind of the, the focal uh, verse this morning. And, and if you uh, write in your Bibles, I would encourage you to underline that. As David began to look, as David began to go through the pain of this loss, he, he looked inside and there he found God. And, and it says, And there David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Now, now there it is. In the book of 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6, we find this most eloquent but right there. This, this word but in the Bible. David, David has, has lost a, as much as any of the other men there. He's lost just as much as all of these soldiers. The, the, the only worldly possessions that David had at this moment was the clothes he's wearing. That's all he had. And, and everything else is gone. His property has been carried off by raiders. His home has been ransacked. It's just a, a smoking pile of rubble there. But, but he found this one thing he still had. He, he still had this relationship with God. 
And, and although he could no longer say, this is my house and, and this is my city and these are my possessions, he, he did have this one thing. He said, this is my God. And this morning, I want us to stop for just a moment, and I want us to think about the key to this whole story this morning. We're not through with it. We're just getting started. But, but the whole key here, we find in that statement, this is my God. Because the key to all that we're going to talk about this morning is that relationship. David knew God personally. He had a personal relationship with God. Now, I think it's, it's important for us to understand we can know about God, but that doesn't make Him our God. It's simply a, a head knowledge. I, I, know, I know about God. We can use all the right terminology. We can say all the right words. We can attend worship services. We can sing with the praise team, but that doesn't mean we we have my God. It means we know about God. It, it means we believe in God. But, but David was able to strengthen himself in the Lord because he had a personal relationship with God. So this morning as we talk about this, as we see someone who is, who is covered with tragedy, I want you to think about your relationship with God. In the midst of whatever happening in your life, can you turn and say, you know what? Because of my God. But... but David strengthened himself because of his God, because of that personal relationship that he had with God. This man, Alexander McLaren, he states it this way, Whatever we lose, as long as we have him, God, we're rich. And whatever else we may possess, without God, we're poor. But as long as we have him... God is enough, whatever else may go. See, David looked inside himself, and he, he strengthened himself in the Lord. Now, here's some things I think is important. We know that others can, can strengthen us in the Lord, and I wish I had time to just go back and review the whole book of Samuel. Because you remember, uh, if you remember, uh, Saul has a son. What's his name? Jonathan. And Jonathan and David are partners. They're buddies. They're tight. And, and Jonathan comes to David and, and warns him, hey, my dad's out to kill you. And, and they have a, Saul throws a big party and says, we're going to honor David. And Jonathan says, I, I think it's a trap. And y'all remember he had David hide out there in a the field. And, and Jonathan, I'll shoot an arrow over your head and, and the whole thing to warn you if it's a trap for you. And so, so Jonathan and David, they're, they're, they're partners, they're allies. And if we go and look at a couple of different verses there in, in 1 Samuel, uh, it, it talks about Jonathan encouraging David. And, and it talks about Jonathan reminding David of God's promises. 1 Samuel twenty three seventeen it says, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul shall not find you. And remember, you're going to be the king of Israel. That's what Jonathan came and he, he told David that he encouraged David in the Lord. So, so there's some strength we find in, in encouragement from others in the Lord. But, but when we strengthen ourselves, ourselves, we strengthen ourselves in the Lord, it's something that's intentional. This morning I want you to think about this. When we want to strengthen ourselves in the Lord in the midst of a, uh, of a struggle, it doesn't just happen automatically. 
It doesn't something that, that we just set back and say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to strengthen myself in the Lord. It, when it says David strengthened himself in the Lord, it's a Hebrew verb, and it, it, it implies per, persistent and continuous effort. That's what that word means. So, so when we read that, it says, David, in, in the midst of this struggle, as he sat, as he looked over this destruction, he, he sat intently and persistently on finding his strength in the Lord. So, so we see that the psalmist says it this way. As, as, as we look at ourselves, sometimes we just need to pick ourselves up by our, our belt loops and give ourselves a swift kick in the tail. And, and, and look what the psalmist says. He asks this question, Why are you downcast, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? For my hope is in God. For I shall yet praise him and the help of my countenance and my God. See, see, the psalmist says, why am I downcast? Why, why, am I, why is my soul uh, disquieted within me? Because, hey, my hope's in the Lord. My hope's in God. As, as David looked and, and he saw this burning city, he, he just began to look in himself and said, you know what? My hope's in God. My hope's beyond my circumstances. My hope beyond what I'm seeing here. My, my hope's in God. And as we read this, the, the story of David, there's, there's about three principles I want us to look at this morning. Now, I don't want you to go, oh, man, he's just getting to his points. No, I'm better than halfway through. Somebody say amen. So I, you're not supposed to say anything there. You're, you're supposed to say, oh, no, not already halfway through. So here, here's, the, here's the things we see as David, and I think these are some, some resources as we think about what was David's secret? How did, how did David strengthen himself in the Lord? Because that sounds great. That sounds like something I want to do. That sounds like something I need. So a resource that always should be used when we want to strengthen ourselves in the Lord is we need to seek guidance and we need to seek direction from God. And, and we find that right here in verse 7 through 10. Then David said to Abathar, the priest, that's Ahimelech's son. He says, pre-bring, to me the ephod, pre-bring the ephod here to me. And Abathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord. Let's don't just run through that. Let's think about what that says. David, in the midst of these struggles... He wanted to strengthen himself in the Lord. He needed encouragement from God. So he inquired of the Lord, and he asked this, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I pursue these that have come? And and if I pursue them, shall I overtake them? And God answered answered him and said, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail... You'll recover everything. Now, why is this interesting? It's obvious that David had not asked the Lord or not asked God, had not pursued God what he should do. Because, listen, how we know that is he has formed an an ally with Achish, the king of Gath. Now, if you know a little bit of Bible history, you know that when the Israelites moved to the Promised Land, what did God tell them? He said, don't form any allies with these pagan people. That was his instructions to Israel, to to the Israelites, to, to the Jews. That's what David is. 
So through this whole process, and this is important to get this, through this whole process, David has violated God's explicit instructions. I mean, God had said no, no, no questions. Mama used to say, I said don't do that, period. You ever say that? Well, I learned what a period was, Dina. That's the end of it. That's what she meant. That's the end of the sit, period. Well, that's what God said. He said, hey, don't, don't, form any, don't form any agreements. Don't form any allies, period, David. That's the end of the conversation. That's the end of the story. But see, David had went ahead and he, he had formed these allies with these pagan people, and, and he was even fighting for a pagan king. Now, why would I spend that much time before making any move this time? What did David do? He inquired of the Lord. Here's what I want us to remember. David, God was working on David's behalf, even in David's sin. Do you think about that? Because as this story progresses, we can see that, that God says, okay, David came to God, and he said, okay, God, I... I've made allies with these people. I, maybe he didn't say all this, but you know, certainly he had been thinking in his mind, you know, I've made allies with, the, with enemies of, of, of Israel already. I'm fighting for the wrong king. So God, I'm, I'm going to come to you and I'm going to say, what, what should I do at this point? Look at what God said we just read in verse 8. Pursue them, for surely you'll overtake them without fail and you're going to recover everything. So God told David that, that everything you've lost, you're going to recover. See, God's already working. From that point on, David could, could look back and, and boast in the Lord. And, and Psalms 138.3, listen to this. With this story on your mind, listen to what the psalmist of David wrote. In that day, I cried out to you. In the day of my distress, in the day when everything fell apart, in the day when I had no direction, in the day that I didn't know what to do, in the day that I lost everything, in that day I cried out to you and you answered me, listen, and you made me bold with my strength that was in my soul. See what God did? He, he gave David a, a boldness. And David, he believed in God and he acted up. He acted on that belief. He, he pursued those, that band of Amalekites, the raiders. And, and he went and he said, I'm going to take back all that I've lost. And, and during that whole process, God is working. He's working because he had made a promise to David. And folks, the Bible tells us, yet while we were sinners, what did God do? He sent his son to die for us, yet while we were sinners. And he was working on our behalf. And God is working on our behalf. Wherever we are today, God is still working on our behalf. And, and David came, and he came before God, and he, he strengthened himself in the Lord. And the Lord said, go, and I'm going to deliver to you the hands of your enemies. Now think about this. Take yourself out of David's spot. Put yourself in these 600 men's spot. They've just come back from battle. They're weary, they're tired, they're, they're battle-worn. They, they've been marching for days and weeks and maybe even months. They come home, they've lost everything. And David comes before them and, and he says, Okay, I've got a plan. We're going after these guys. Don't you know that they were, they were demoralized? They, they, they said, There's no way we can beat these guys. We're, we're just worn out. They were certainly unenthusiastic about David's leadership. What were they saying? Let's go stone him. 
It's his fault we're in this situation anyway. But David goes and, and he says, we're going after him. And he roused up his men and he led them to action. And they're, they're marching down and they, they've pushed hard for 15 miles. They've been marching and they're, they're going and they reach this brook Besor. And that's in 30, verse 30, chapter 30, verse 9. And at that point, 200 of the men said, I can't go any farther. I'm just, I'm spent. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm broken down. We, we can't go another step. We just don't have the strength. We don't have the spirit, David, to move on. So it says there in verse 24 that, that David said, okay, we're going to leave you here. They came to a big old ravine, big, deep ravine. And, and I can just imagine as those, those soldiers went and they, they're downcast, they're, they're marching on, and they look in this deep ravine and, and to them said, I just can't do it. I can't, it's as far as I can go. I'm, I'm just spent, David. And he says, okay, stay here with the supplies. We're just going to leave you here. Just, just stay with the stuff. Here's the second truth that we need to acknowledge. If, if we want to strengthen ourselves in the Lord, we need to realize where the Lord leads us, He's going to provide for us. Wherever he leads us, he, he's going to provide. So, so David and the remaining 400 men, they cross over the brook and they, they push on to the desert, to these badlands there in, uh, of the Amalekites, and, and they're not able to find a trace. Have you ever been to the desert? I took my youth group to White Sands, New Mexico one time, and to me that's a desert if you've never been out there. And we went out there just to play. And you talk about getting sunburnt like this fast, you know, but, but the whitest thing you've got on, that looks like white sands, New Mexico. And, and we went out and we, we just parked in this little sandy area and we got out and, and uh, there was just hills. I don't know if they're called dunes or if they're called little mountains, whatever they're called, but, but, but you, you climb one of them and, and you get to the top and just as far as you could see, there's another one. And you, you could climb down this one and you could climb up the next one and just as far as you could see. I mean, it was just a, it was, it's, it's just a desolate place. It's just a, 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 a white, sandy desert as far as you could see. Of course, we spent the day playing there, but, but the thing I want you to, to get a picture of is, is as they crossed this desert, they couldn't find a trace of them. I mean, they, 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 they couldn't see where their passing at all was. So here are these 400 men now, and they're wandering around in the desert, and they don't even have a trail to follow. I mean, they're just, they're just there. So, so don't you know, as every hour passed, their situation just seemed more hopeless? I mean, they're in the desert. They, they have no idea what direction these men have went. They have no, no idea of where they are. But, but you know what? God's sovereignty is seen in the little details of this story. You're in the midst of that big old desert. They just happen to walk up on a sick guy. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that for us to say, well, how in the world would that happen? Well, that's the sovereignty of God. That's, that's God. This sick Egyptian is there, and, and he had been held captive, and he had, he, he had probably been one of the slaves. But, but he had fallen sick on the trail, and, and this Egyptian captive, they, the Amalekites just said, leave him here and let him die. Now, you know, he's, just let him die. We're just going to leave him. We're going we're to press on. So in the, in the middle of this huge desert, these men are walking. Huh, there's a guy laying in the desert. 
And he, he's basically just dying. Look at verse 11. Then they found an Egyptian in the field. They brought him to David, and David gave him some bread, and he ate. And he let him drink water. And they gave him a piece of, of a cake of figs and, and two clusters of raisins. So when he had eaten, his strength came back to him, for he had eaten no bread nor drank any water for three days and for three nights in the desert. Verse 13, David asked him, Who do you belong to? To whom do you belong and where are you from? And he said, I'm a young man from Egypt, a servant of Amalekite, and my master has left me behind because three days ago I fell sick. Verse 14, And we made an invasion of the southern area of this territory which belonged to Judah and the southern area of Caleb, and we burned Ziglag down with fire. So this guy was with them the whole time. What would you do? <laughs> All right. You were in on the battle. You were in on burning down my house. You were in on stealing my family. What did David do? David, David fed him. David gave him water. David gave him food. Then David said to him, Can you take me down to where this troop is? So he said, Swear to me by God that you'll neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master, and I'll take you down where they are. You know, it turns out that he just out of happenstance, they just happened upon this man in the middle of the desert, and he just happened to be a captive of, of the Amalekites, and he just happened to know where they were headed, and, and he just happened to under, see all these things. Listen, where God leads us, he's going to provide for us. He's going to make a way even in the desert when we look around and say, you know, there's no hope out here. I don't, I don't see where I'm going from here. God's going to provide a way. Once the Egyptian realized that, that he had been saved by David and that the, the Amalekite kings had left him there to die anyway, he didn't have no loyalty to them anymore. He said, well, sure, I'll tell you exactly where to find them in verse 16. And when he had brought them down, there they were, the Amalekites. And they were spread out all over the land. And they were eating and drinking and dancing because of the great spoils that they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. Verse 17, Then David attacked them from twilight until the evening of the next day. Listen. And not a one of them, no man, escaped, except 400 young men who jumped on the camels and took off. (laughs) 400 young men, they fled on camels. Look at verse 18. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his own two wives, and nothing of theirs was lacking, neither small nor great, no sons, no daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them, for they recovered it all. See, as David inquired of the Lord... He went to the Lord and he said, okay, I'm in the midst of this tragedy. Folks, don't forget where he was. See, it's easy for us to look and say, oh, this is great. Remember where he was. He was looking upon a a pile of of burnt property with, with his wives, his children, all his livestock, all his possessions are gone. He inquired of the Lord. The Lord provided for him in this time of need. So he's here. He gets it all back. And not only does he get that back, 
he gets even more things back from the other places they had looted. So not only did God restore what he had, he went on even beyond what David expected. He, he, gave, him, he gave him even more. So David and his men, they return in trimax. Boy, this is the climax of the story, isn't it? This is the end. This is, the, this is 1155. But I had three points. Amen? So here's the last one. We need to be a channel of God's grace. That wasn't the end of the story. It sounds like it, but you know what? When David returned, there was a new problem. There was dissension. Just read this scripture in Acts. I mean, I'm sorry, in 1 Samuel 30, verse 20. Then David took all the flocks and the herds they had driven before those livestock and said, uh, This is David's spoil. Verse 21. Now David came to the 200 men who had been so weary that they couldn't come follow David. Before we go any farther, what would you do? Just think about that. Those guys petered out on us at the valley. They couldn't go any farther. But David came across them, and they wouldn't follow David because they were made to stay at Brook Beshor. So they went out to meet David, to meet the people who were with him. And when David came near the people, he greeted them. Then all the wicked and worthless men of those who had went with David, isn't that interesting? (laughs) Those who stayed with David, those who went to the battle. The Bible says those wicked and worthless ones among them. Uh, Somebody tell me where I was. Verse 22. Uh, They went to David and answered and said, Because these men didn't go with us, we're not going to give them any of the spoils that we've recovered, except for a man's wife and children, that they may lead them away and depart. So these men with him said, you know what, David? Those 200 didn't go with us. They can take their wives and kids and go on. They can get on out of here. They can, they can take them and they can depart. They're, they're not going to have any part of what we've got. They're not going to have any part of what we've, what, we've gotten, what we've gotten from the Lord. So verse 23, look what David said. But David said, my brethren, you shall not do so with what the Lord has given us, who has preserved us, and delivered into our hands the troop that came against us. Verse 24. For who will heed you in this matter? But as, he, but as his part is who goes down to battle, so shall his part be the one who stays by the supplies, and he shall share alike. So it was from that day forward he made a statue and an ordinance for Israel to this very day. See what he said to those men is, wait a minute. We're going to be a channel of God's grace. We didn't win the battle. We didn't find the enemy. We, we didn't do these things. God delivered those things to us. God brought them to us. God gave them to us. God blessed us with these things. And because of that, they're not ours to possess. There's ours to be a channel of God's grace. And they begin to channel out those, those things. David remembered that, that everything that he had was a gift of God. And when he realized that all I have is a gift of God, I need to be a a channel of God's grace. 
From this story, we learn an invaluable truth that, that we not only have to be able to seek God's hand and trust God's hand, we, we, not, we not only need to understand what God has for us, we need to realize that, that there are some consequences. When God has blessed us, He blesses us that we may be a channel for others. Here's where I want to close this morning. Three days, listen, three days after their near revolt, there were some followers came into this fugitive camp, and they told David, Saul is dead, and the way is open for you to become king. That's 2 Samuel 1, 2 through 4. Did you hear that? Three days later, when David inquired of the Lord, and when, when God turned over and, and, and said, David, here, I'm going to provide for your needs, and, and when David became a channel of God's grace, God opened the door for David to become king. Think about this, from a, from a cave to a castle, that was David. From, from a slave to a king. See, he inquired of the Lord, and as he inquired of the Lord, and as he began to follow the Lord, those things that, that David had looked upon just a few days earlier, those, those ruining heaps of a town that were smoldering, when he inquired of God, when he strengthened himself in the God, when he began to follow God, God opened the door. And God gave him a blessing. Even in the loss at Ziglag, God was gracious to David. Even in the midst of David's sin, he was still working. He was still pushing. He was still saying, you know what, David, I have a plan for you. And, and my plan is going to be fulfilled in you. This morning, I want to ask you to bow your heads. And I want you to think about this this morning. In the, the midst of your struggle, it may be great. Man, if you look at David, it was great struggle. It may be something even relatively small when you compare to what David's struggles was. But you know what? Wherever it is, we can strengthen ourselves in the Lord. Think about that. David came and he purposely, persistently, consistently said, I want to find strength in the Lord. You know, sometimes God destroys our links to things that are good, that we can have something that's even greater. You know, David was surviving. He was a, he was a leader in battle. He, was, he had some soldiers. He was surviving. But God had something more for David. And through those struggles, they weren't great. They were painful. They, they called a weeping But as David inquired of the Lord, as David began to follow the Lord, then God opened some new doors. Father, I pray this morning that in the midst of our struggle, whether great or small, that, Lord, we wouldn't look at others to blame, and we wouldn't try to hurt and bring hurt with hurt, and and, and we wouldn't pay vengeance with vengeance. But, Father, we'd, we'd simply inquire of you, We'd find our hope, our peace, our trust in you. And then, Father, we would allow you to lead us. And, Father, understanding even when we're in the desert and we can't find the tracks that you're going to provide through your sovereignty, through your wisdom, you're going to provide those needs if we just press on. And then, Father, I pray that as we find encouragement in you, as we experience the blessing in you, we'd become a channel of your grace to others. 
Father, we, pray, we, we sing sometimes, make me a channel of blessing today. and Make me a channel of blessings, I pray. But Father, I pray today our prayer would be, Lord, use me as a channel of blessings to someone. Use me as a channel of your grace to someone. Father, I pray and as we think about all these things, we'd realize that there's one key. There, there's a key to unlocking hope and unlocking grace. And that key is found in Jesus Christ. And yet, while we were sinners, you've done the work. You've paid the price. Yet, while we were sinners, and now today, you offer a free gift. Lord, I pray if there'd be any here today that, that can't say, you know what, I, I have my God that I can turn to. Not I know about my God, I've heard about him, I sing about him, I, I come and listen about him, but, but my God... My relationship, I know him personally. If there'd be any here today that that wouldn't have that assurance, I pray, Lord, today would be the day of salvation. I pray today we'd have just a little closer walk with you. And in our weakness, you would be made strong. I pray your spirit would move now freely in this place. And I pray this in the name of Jesus.